I'm so glad that you are here. I want to just welcome everybody across the network who are tuning in in a variety of ways. Bettendorf Campus, so good to be with you this morning. The mighty men of Kiwani, great to, uh, to be with you. Uh, people checking in online, probably the smartest of the bunch this week with the frigid temperatures. And then, of course, Rock Island, how are you doing? Good? I am so excited to be with you this morning. My name is Josh Howard, and I get to serve as one of the pastors on staff here at Heritage, and it is, I just count it as an honor. Uh, this is my tribe. This is my home church, and uh, I love you, and I love that I get to be here this morning. Uh, I'm excited for two specific reasons, actually, this morning. One is that this is a family service, as uh, many of you have figured out by now, and, uh, and I, I just want to tell any of the kids that are, are with us here in Rock Island and Bettendorf as well, I am so glad that you're here. I'm, I'm glad that you are a part of the service, that you're adding your energy, your creativity, your joy uh, into the midst of us today. Uh, I think it's just so important. And I, I want to just kind of take the parents in the room off the hook. All right. I know that you're probably going to be slightly more distracted than normal and you may not retain much of what happens. We'll just see. I don't know. But I want to take you off the hook. There's not going to be any pop quizzes. There's not going to be any tests or anything like that. And, uh, and really, we're in this together. So we're going to have grace, and, uh, and we're going to just have a good time. And, and the truth is, friends, that we are, because we are gathered together, the important part is that we're creating a corporate memory together, and, and that is greater than retention today. That, that, that we are creating a bond as we worship together, as we uh, look at the Word together. And I am trusting that the Holy Spirit will work in the way that He wants to work uh, in and through each of us. We're all at different, maybe understanding levels, different parts of our, our faith journey, and the Spirit is going to press in and do exactly what He needs to do. I believe there's something for everyone today, and so I'm glad that all of you are here. Second reason I'm excited is because this is the conclusion of a series, Home for Christmas, that we have been in the midst of for, for all of December. And I'm excited because the series really has been deeply impactful to me personally. And to be able to come and sort of give the conclusion, that, that's been exciting to me. Uh, and, and just so that we are reminded of some of the, the handholds and the, the things that have already come before in the series, I want to remind us of our working definition of home. You'll see it on the screen here. And this is just a good reminder that, that home is experiencing relationship as it should have been. Home is experiencing relationship as it should have been with God and with others. It is so important that we keep this in mind as we, as we travel into this teaching this morning. There are also two very early ideas. Um, pa Pastor Sean, in, in the very first week of the series, talked about our identity as sons and daughters of God. And he talked about how God has desired for us to make decisions to come back home and be reconciled with him, that we have always been welcome, we have always been wanted. And so that, I think, is an important identity marker that I want you to kind of tuck away in the back of your mind, along with the fact that Pastor Jeremiah then in week two of the series talked about our calling as ambassadors for Christ to the world, that we've been given a certain amount of access, authority, and responsibility, and that we are to, to try to share home with the people that God has placed in our lives. And I think this morning, having those two identity markers refreshed and, and ready to access later in our time together, it's going to be important. And so we'll circle back around to that. But today, we have this really great opportunity 
to look at the home that is to come, the home to come. Pastor Sean said something last week during our Christmas Eve services that I I just thought was so, so powerful. He said that what makes Christmas so special is not just that Jesus came to our home, but that we can go to his. I think that is so, so powerful to remember. And it's fitting then to spend a little bit of time this morning reflecting upon what is it that, that this home to come is going to look like? What is it going to feel like? And so I, I want to start by just taking a look at a little bit of scripture. Uh, the author of Hebrews says this, and I think this is really important as well, for this world is, is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. And, and we <clears throat> need to remember that we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We are citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world. And we find ourselves in a posture, and this has come up a couple times in the series that we've been in. We're in a posture of waiting, but it's an active waiting. It's not passive waiting. It's an active waiting. We're waiting for Christ to return, and we're waiting for him to fully restore and establish his kingdom. And so if you're a note taker and you're tracking with the note guide this morning, this is the, the moment when you get to fill in the first blank. And, and this, is, this kind of sets up the first level of, of understanding this morning. And, and that's to say that the destination helps to set a trajectory. The destination helps to set a trajectory. Trajectory is a, you know, it's a, a word that you could describe a path or a direction that we are taking in life. And I got to tell you, and this may be kind of a Captain Obvious territory here, but but this applies to a lot of what we do in life. For instance, if you want to go to Disney World, you don't want to go west to get there. That's Disneyland. You want to go south and you want to go east to get to Disney World. If you want to go to Niagara Falls, for instance, which is beautiful, you, you don't want to go south. It's not there. You're not going to find it there. You've got to go east and a little bit of north. And that's where you're going to find Niagara Falls. If you want to root on the Cardinals at Bush Stadium, <clears throat> If you do, I will, I, I will think very fondly of you and pray for the rest of you. <clears throat> but if you really do want to go here, you, you don't want to go to Chicago, you don't want to go north, you got to go south to get to this location. So I, I think it's really important that we understand that in terms of our walk with Christ, the destination helps inform the path or direction that we will take in life. And so to that end, it's good to have a general idea of what, what is the end, like what, what is the end of the journey, what is the destination, what does eternity and the home to come look like? One of my favorite biblical um, depictions of heaven is found right at the very end, actually, second to last chapter of the whole Bible, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. And I want to read it over us, and it's just this picturesque um, Passage, and I hope that it ministers to you like it does to me. It says this Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. 
And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my people, my children. It is a beautiful picture of the home to come. And so I want to use this picture to just point out three quick destination details to help paint a picture for us of what we can expect when we arrive at the home to come. First of all, we're going to experience the full presence of God with us, and we're going to experience it on a permanent basis. Now, notice verse 3 again. We see this three different times in verse 3, that, that God's home will now be among his people. We know that God's present with us now, but, but in our home to come, we will see him fully. We will experience him fully, and this will be a permanent reality. And, and we will experience the full intimacy that we were always designed to have with God. Now, that's, that's hard for me to fathom, but, but I'm excited to experience it. And here's the second thing that we're going to experience, though. We are going to experience full restoration of relationship due to the removal of sin. Now, notice verse 4 again. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Sin will be completely removed and vanished and no longer causing relational strife within our lives. And I, I bet, you know, after coming off of a couple of weeks where you've had some family gatherings and you've pressed in maybe to immediate or extended family, and perhaps there's personalities within your family dynamic that are, we'll use a good word, like maybe challenging a little bit. Uh, maybe this is really good news to you to hear that, that there, there is hope yet for us to be fully restored with the people around us. And that in the home to come, we will experience relationship, interpersonal relationship in the way that we were always designed and, and expected to experience it. I, I think that's tremendous news. But then we get to the third experience, the third destination detail, and that is that we're going to experience full restoration of all creation. We're going to be experiencing heaven and earth to point Oh, is that probably a better term we could use for it? That's what I came up with. And notice the very first verse in, in Revelation 21, where it says, I saw a new heaven. I saw a new earth. God is going to handcraft and shape a brand new earth, a brand new heaven. And, and this is extraordinary to me to think about, to, to imagine what is that going to be like? What is that going to feel like to actually reside there? But I got to tell you something. This often gets lost in translation with me when, when, when heaven comes up. I don't know if, if your experience is like mine, but I grew up with a pretty different view of heaven. Maybe I watched too many cartoons like Looney Tunes. Uh, this is a circa 1930s Looney Tune depiction of heaven. And this is sort of what I grew up believing, like we would float on clouds we would, I, mean, I, I would always imagine kind of a harp, you know, we would have the white toga, which nobody wants to see me in a white toga, and most of us can't pull that off very well. And there was just this kind of idea of it's very other, and it's very, you know, not tangible, just very almost foreign, like just unfamiliar. And as I reflected upon that idea of heaven, it it was really hard for me to get excited. And I, I'd be honest with you, this lasted 
you know, through college into even the start of ministry where it was like, I don't really know if that's all that compelling. And it, it began to dawn on me as I studied the scriptures more and more about heaven is that there is this idea that, that and, and particularly in Revelation, but in other places, this idea that is quite a bit different than the way that I had always imagined heaven. And, and it was much more compelling to me. What I love about this is that the home to come is there's going to be wisps of the familiar attached to it. The, the new heavens and the new earth, they're going to be different, vastly improved, certainly, but there's still going to be something there that we're going to recognize, that we're going to understand. There's going to be new places to explore, new adventures to go on, new things to, to create and produce. There's going to be beautiful things to see and experience it there. And, and when you put the whole package together, what you have is this really compelling picture of the home to come that is full of adventure and discovery, full of close and healthy interpersonal relationships, not tainted by sin, and, and that God would be moving into the neighborhood again, but this time permanently and fully and completely. In fact, using language from the series, I would say that the home to come will allow us to experience all of creation as it was originally meant to be experienced. And friends, it's gonna be awesome to experience this and to lean into this. But I, I need to stop here for just a moment because when, when I was asked to, to step into this particular weekend and when I saw the particular topic, one of the things that I really didn't want to see happen is, is for this to turn into like a funeral sermon, right? I, I just didn't want that to happen. Like a, you, you go to a funeral sermon, you hear about heaven, how great it is, uh, but, but often there's not really that element of how does this really affect who we are right now? And so I, I really wanted to work hard at making sure it was more than just talking about destination details and that there would be another layer to our narrative together that talked about how this tangibly can change who we are as people. And so if you're taking notes, here's the added layer, and it's in the form of an, an equation that I wanna give to you where, where it says destination, which we already have, plus identity equals a healthy trajectory. Destination plus identity equals a healthy trajectory. And friends, this is where it's so important that we remember what has already been taught in this series, that the destination is not the only thing that informs our trajectory as believers, that, that our identity in Christ helps inform it as well. For instance, one of the things that I have seen in church work and ministry uh, is, is how some people tend to look at salvation like this. You guys remember this card in Monopoly? Have you ever, I mean, these things were awesome, right? When you landed on chance or community chest and then you pulled one of these cards, this was really great. And you could hold on to it and, and you could use it. It was always good news when we got a get out of jail free card. But what is good in Monopoly is not always good in our faith journey. And I, friends, have watched people receive Jesus into their lives more as, as a, a, an avoidance of punishment and, and more as like, okay, I've checked off the eternity box. Now let's move on to something different. Kind of a one and done decision that really has no impact on day-to-day -day living. And, and what happens then is it turns into a sloppy or sometimes just absent spirituality. 
where rhythms and habits don't really change, where, where sin and unhealthy engagement with the world, it just remains the same, because the assumption is that nothing really needs to change because the heaven box has already been checked. And, and friends, this is where remembering who we are in Christ, sons and daughters of the living God, can help inform us on how we appropriately engage with a sinful and broken world. How we can pursue purity and obedience even in the midst of brokenness. That we are children of the king. And so let's represent him well. And let's live like we are children of the king. Sonship and daughtership can serve as a guardrail that helps protect us from slipping into an absent or sloppy spirituality. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, same principle, get out of jail free card. I've seen some believers, you know, check the heaven box, but then they kind of go to an equally, uh, an equally damaging extreme, which I would call escapism. Whereas they kind of, they check the heaven box off and then they just want to stay away from the world completely. They shut themselves off. They, they retreat into a Christian bubble. They go from Bible study to Bible study and they, they think and talk about heaven all the time and how they can't wait, can't wait to get there, to, to get away from this evil world. They sing, you know, all oh, fly away, oh glory, all that stuff. And they, they never really engage with anyone outside of a Christian circle. And this is where we need to remember our identity piece from earlier in the series, where we are called to be ambassadors of Christ, that we've been given access and authority and responsibility so that we can help point people home to Jesus, that our identity as ambassadors can serve as a guardrail that protects us from slipping into escapism. See, I think that if we're informed by both of these identity pieces, we are then freed up to live holy and obedient lives, living as the people of God, going out into the world and offering the gift of home to the people that we come in contact with. This is how New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, one of my favorite writers, um, this is how he writes about this, and I, this is so beautiful to me, but he says that what you do with your body in the present matters because God has a great future in store for it. What you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. They are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. And this is such a beautiful expression of how we can leverage our lives in such a way that, that we allow the destination and we allow our identity to inform who we are as, as believers. And I also believe that this beautifully sets up a so what moment that includes two reflection questions for you this morning. The first is this, is there anything that you need to adjust about your current trajectory? Is there anything you need to adjust about the current path that you're on? Maybe you're slipping into escapism. Maybe you're slipping into like a, just avoiding spirituality and avoiding obedience. What, what reminder do you need today about your own identity in Jesus that would help you start making healthy decisions to change a rhythm or a habit that, that would help you? The, the second question is how are you building for God's kingdom? How are you building for God's kingdom? How are you investing your life in a way 
that, that helps people find the home to come. And we've been talking about this all month long, but who are you investing in and who are you inviting to come with you to the home to come? It's just a, a wonderful question to think about as we step into a brand new year. In fact, we're, we're about ready to enter a moment of sacrament this morning. We're going to be partaking in the, the gift of communion, the sacrament of communion, which is this beautifully rich rhythm that we get to step into as believers in the church. And, uh, and, and communion is, is this deeply powerful reminder of, of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and in the empty tomb. It, is, it can be a calibrating event for us if we participate well with it. Communion reminds us that we belong to the tribe of Jesus and that it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we are granted into two types of life. And I'd like to connect it back with the, the equation. Jesus calls us to abundant life, which I think is tied up in our identity. And Jesus calls us to eternal life, which is tied up with destination. And both of those things help inform who we are and where we are going. And I really believe that this sacrament of communion helps us create space for us to ponder how healthy is our current trajectory in our, in our spirituality, in our, our walk with Jesus. And it helps us to consider how fully we are stepping into our identity and, and into our purpose. Now, I also, I, I think it's important to re, be, be reminded that communion is also a rich expression of home. The context is set around a meal, which implies relationship. Communion is a deeply communal rhythm. It should always be done in the context of relationship. And the sacrament allows us to consider our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with, with the people around us. Communion calibrates us for home because it, it causes us to reflect upon our relationships and how they should be. And so I hope that we use this time well to consider who we are in Christ. Now, let me just pass along just a, a few quick tidbits of information. I'm going to pray in just a few moments. And in, uh, across our network in Bettendorf and, and here in Rock Island, ushers are going to come forward. And following my prayer, they're going to start uh, passing the elements out to you via tray. And, and what you'll find as the tray passes by is the elements in a double stacked cup. So be sure to take both cups out. And we're going to create some space for you uh, in, in the context of a, of a worship uh, moment together of singing where, where we are able to participate in communion. We want to give you space and time just to receive freely on your own time, to receive the elements uh, on your own. Uh, but, but in the context of this, this worship moment where we're going to be doing this together. I would also mention that uh, Heritage believes in open communion, which means you don't have to be a member at Heritage in order to participate in communion with us. The only requirement we have, the only thing we ask is that you believe in Jesus. And if you are a believer, we want you to take freely with us, participate freely with us in this moment. And if you are still, if that question is still unresolved, just let the tray pass you by. It's fine. No one's going to look down on you for that. That's, uh, we just want you to know that's, that's where we land on that. And I would also say that this is a really great moment if, if that's a question that is still unresolved for you 
And that's, that's a decision that you are willing to make, that you, you are ready to make today. There is a prayer on the back of the sermon note guide that can help you press into a relationship with Jesus. And there would be no better way than to pray that prayer and then step into this sacrament of communion as your, your first act in your journey uh, with Christ. And so if that's something that you are, are ready to do, we want to know about it. So let us know whether it's through the connection card or whether you come talk to one of us that have a heritage lanyard on after service because we have some things that we want to equip you with to help you along in the journey. For the rest of us, my prayer is that the sacrament becomes a means of grace for you that is nourishing to your soul and that helps set a trajectory into the new year with renewed focus and renewed vision for how you can serve as an ambassador of Christ, helping to point people to the home that can be found in Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for who you have made us into. And I just ask God that in this moment, as we reflect upon these elements and as we receive these elements, that the bread which represents your body and the, the juice which represents your blood, that they would be reminders of the sacrifice that you paid on the cross for us so long ago, but also vivid reminders of the people that you are calling us into today and into the future. And so we pray, God, that your blessing and that your spirit would work freely in this sacred moment and that you would allow us to partake with full hearts, hearts that are, are looking for your leading and your leadership in our lives. We love you. We're desperately thankful that you loved us first. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.